0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Hope Church Frankfurt. If you want more information about our church, text HOPE23 to 55498. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right. Well, happy New Year's Eve, right? It is the end. I cannot believe that we are at the end of a year. And that just made me so happy. I was very happy that Jeff had said, pop. I've lived the last four and a half years down towards St. Louis area and everyone calls it soda. And it makes me like hurt inside. Um, every single time I'm like, that's not its name. It is called pop people. So now once again, I just feel I am home. This is good. This is good. Things are well in the world. Um, as Jeff said, my name is pastor Jake. I am from the LaGrange campus, their youth pastor. I've been there since May. Uh, we grew up, my wife and I both grew up We use rockford as our locator for people so rockford area we live in the cornfields outside of rockford in a small town she's from moringo i'm from genoa i lived on the street that if i crossed the street i was in moringo so um my house had cornfields on all four sides so that is where we're from um grew up in the church of moringo my whole life but um part of my story my journey Was that about my sophomore to junior year? I decided, you know what, I'm going to do? I'm going to chase the things of the world. I'm going to go pursue these things over here instead of this thing that I've been brought up and the thing that I've been growing in my whole life. So for the next several years, I went and I just chased after that worldly things. And I went, I got out of high school, moved to Colorado for a little while, and just did they like just live life and worked and got back home and I'm like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna join the army so I joined the army and I always tell people when you join the army especially if they're coming from a church background like hold on to your faith because it's a crazy place in there and I didn't have mine so I went crazy while I was in the army so luckily God's hand was on my life and I had a uh, very powerfully praying mother. I know like I see her prayer board uh, her prayer board on her wall and she has like my name several times on there, my sister's name. Um, so I know that she was praying for me. The church was praying for me. She was a or is a prims teacher for missionettes. I don't know if it's still, it's not called missionettes anymore. It's like girls ministry. I don't know. Um, But she prayed for that and they were all praying for me and all this. So I know that through my time in Afghanistan and through the army and my wandering, my um, time of just being a prodigal, uh, that it was a time that I was covered in prayer. And it's always good to look back on your life and see God's faithfulness in the moments, in those things. Like my unit in Afghanistan took more casualties than any other unit had the entire Afghanistan deployment from all of it. And yet I barely saw anything like a rocket hit our base once, but it was really far away. And all I wanted was to eat instead of going and sitting in the bunkers. So like, I wasn't even that worried about it. So I mean, like, just like looking at God's faithfulness, looking at like how he worked in my life, through my life and all this. And then when I got back and I was like, you know, we're, I was getting close to getting out of the army and I'm sitting in my apartment and I'm just like, man, I've been chasing all these things. I've been doing all this stuff. I've been looking at these things. I've been doing these things like I want relationships. I want partying. I want work, money, influence, all these things. I've pursued those things and everything left me wanting. Everything left a hole inside of me that just, that, that just wasn't being filled. Like It just seemed like I needed something else. And I kind of at that moment looked back at my life and realized that there was that something else already in my life. I just needed to go back to it so when I moved home from the army went to church again kind of got plugged in a little bit we went to this service and at the altar I don't know what even I don't remember anything about that service I don't remember what was spoken all I remember is at a moment at the altar that despite my brokenness despite my wandering despite my uh running away from God like purposefully turning away and running away that he met me in that place that he had never left me. He was always with me. He's stood beside me and he was chasing after me the entire time. And the moment that I turned around and gave it back to him, he was right there waiting for me. And it was just this powerful moment. And I'm like, all right, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want. And in that moment, I just started serving in youth ministry. And from there, he built up a passion and a uh, instilled a calling on me. And from that calling, then... My wife, Taylor, and I uh, got married, had three kids. We have Evangeline, who's six, Griffin, who's five, and Hallie, who's two, and likes to keep me up all night long. And then, oh, it's, it's rough. I'll talk about that a little later. But, she, um, but it's been great. And just watching God's faithfulness, watching his, him, how he works through it, and when we lean into him, and when we trust in him, and we stop trying to do everything on our own, just watching how he works through it and shows up and shows off through it has been such an incredible thing for us and such a, uh, a faith builder for us in that where we're like, okay, we're going to trust you with this, God. It's like, we know that we're supposed to do that, right? We know that growing up in church, if you've been in church for any length of time, like you are supposed to trust in him. But when sometimes it's harder to do it than actually say it. So when we do and he shows up, he's like, wow, okay, he provided for this. Wow, oh, wow. God actually did. He actually kept to his promise. And just watching that. So just a little bit of who I am. One other thing about me is that recently, this year, I decided to try aluminum-free deodorant. Have anyone ever done like the aluminum-free route? Like, all right, aluminum in deodorant is the antiperspirant part of it. And I realized relatively quickly that I need the aluminum. I think about going for a run. I think about going to the gym. I think about getting up and doing anything dishes and I start to sweat if I'm even thinking about it like I just started to sweat I'm like man I don't know so I'm like putting the aluminum free deodorant on multiple times a day and if I forget to do it if I forget because when I had regular deodorant it would last me through the day and into the next so if I forget man you better just you better stay back watch out and there is nothing there is nothing I feel like, and from my experience, that makes you more self-conscious than body odor. When you get a good whiff of yourself and you're like, holy cow. And I'm not assuming anything about you guys. I'm not gonna say like, I'm I'm assuming, I'm gonna go off on a limb here that you all smell pretty well, unless there's somebody sitting pretty well by themselves. You know, it seems like everyone's by someone else. If you're sitting by yourself, maybe that could be like a little bit of a indicator. But uh, for me, for me, that was such a moment of self-awareness, such a moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is awful. Like, you just kind of like raise your hands and worship. You're like, no, I'm gonna worship down here today, God. But my, my neighbors are gonna benefit from this. I'm doing this for the people. Like, I'm not worshiping up here. I know, I know, this is big, but like, I'm gonna keep it down here. I'm gonna hold the TV. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna raise it up. I'm gonna hold it down here. So, and, and like, you know, it, it made me so self-conscious, but then there's another thing it made me think of. It was like, how self-conscious do we get about our faith sometimes i was thinking about my faith and thinking about this idea of self-consciousness like maybe you feel like man i just i don't pray enough maybe you feel like i don't i don't get into my word enough i don't i don't read enough christian books i don't i don't talk about my faith enough i don't i don't do enough stuff i don't do the things that i feel like i'm supposed to do and we get kind of self-conscious maybe maybe someone's like hey, I just need you to pray for me. I need I need you to pray for me for this thing. And you're like, okay, I will pray for you. And how many of you have said that to somebody and then not prayed for that person? Anyone in here? Or is it just me alone on this one? Because I feel like that's something that we do or can do. Maybe it's just easy. Like, yeah, I'll be praying for you. I got you. I'll be praying for you in this moment. I once had somebody say, just, just pray for them in that moment. Like stop and just pray for them. And I still don't always do that. But I have gotten a little bit better about that or in just mentally doing it. But there are many times where someone's like, hey, I just, I'm going through this thing and I'm like, all right, I got you. I'll be praying for you. And then I'll go on with my life and then kind of forget until I see a text message like, oh, oh gosh, I got to pray for this person. There's so much that we get self-conscious about or you like see someone else like, man, that person just got it going on. And I just don't. I just don't. And I'm for me, One of my biggest struggles, especially like the pastor that I I was at with at Cornerstone in Bethalto, and now with Pastor Hal, um, these guys are like readers. They consume books like they are just eating them up and I have a hard time just finding time to even open one up because if it's, you know, if I have a moment of free time, I have a child who wants to take up that free time. Like either it's my six and 5 year old who are fighting over something or have been wronged in such an egregious way that they just want justice in the moment. Or I have a two-year-old who is hungry, tired, wants her bottle, wants to be held, wants her shows, wants her JJ Cocoa melon, whatever it is. Like she needs to have this attention right now. So if I have a moment, it's it's kind of being taken up. And, you know, I I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, Pastor Hal doesn't have like kids eating up his time. Uh, Pastor Eric didn't have that either. His kids were in high school. So it's not as bad. It's not as hard. So for them. But me, I'm like, I look at it. I'm like, I want that. Cause, it, Cause the saying, a good leader is a good reader. Right. And I'm like, oh, well, I must be a bad leader then because I'm not reading much. Like I get my Bible every once in a while. Every once in a while. I get in it that at least. But. You know, like my books, I've been trying to get better. at Audiobooks have been a big help for me. But, um, but what I need to know and what I need to look at and what I want you to know is that despite your own self-appointed shortcomings, that if you believe in Jesus, if you accept his free gift, then you are by definition complete. You are complete lacking in nothing we're going to look at second peter one three through four right now we're gonna it says this it says by his divine power god has given us everything we need for living a godly life we have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence and because of his glory and excellence he has given us great given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And I believe that today, if we grasp this truth, that we are miraculously given everything that we need to please God, if we are given everything we need, it's just the simple act in just that simple act of receiving this free gift for us that cost him absolutely everything. Then in doing that, not only do we get to share in his glory, right? The glory of God, we get to share that, but we will have a mindset where we will resist the things of the world, including, but not limited to, your thoughts and feelings of inadequacy and the persistent issue of comparison. Because how many times do we just deal with that idea of comparison? Like, man, that person's got it, but I don't. That person's got it going on. And that feeling of inadequacy, what does it do? It causes you to either work harder and try harder and do more stuff or you shrivel up and curl into a ball of anxiety and just, do nothing and you fall apart and either way the thing about with god is that we are inadequate we absolutely are inadequate we do not deserve it we cannot earn it we don't we haven't done anything for it like we are inadequate we don't earn it it is a free gift given for us and we have to learn how to accept that because of his great and powerful love, because of how much he loves you, because of how much he cares about you, because of how much he wants a relationship with you. He has given you this absolutely free gift despite your shortcomings, despite your inadequacy. He's just handed it over, here you go. Free gifts are the best kind of gifts. Not like, and so many times, like we don't, we don't think of it this way, but like and Christmas morning, if I were to give one of my children a gift and let's say I just give it to Griffin because he'd probably be the least likely to do this, uh, he would look at me and be like, Father, I, I have not earned this gift. Just take it back. I don't, I don't deserve this. I, I, I can't. I haven't done enough stuff to earn this gift. No, he, he rips open that package and starts to play with whatever it was. Like it doesn't matter. He accepts that free gift. And we're over here being like, man, I just, I just got to make sure I get my reading plan done. I got to make sure I get some, some time in, in prayer. I got to get some time in the word. I got I to gotta get through this book. I got to make sure I go uh, share my faith. And these are all good things. All good things. But if these are things that you are doing in order to earn your way to heaven, stop it. Stop it. Stop. This love is freely yours. It always has been. And we need to accept that. Uh, Judah Smith is a pastor out in Washington, very close to where I was stationed. And he says this about it. He says that it's often how we react when grace comes at us. It's awkward. God offers us something that's too good to be true. Unearned, unmerited, total forgiveness. And we stand there stiff and uncomfortable waiting for the embrace to stop so we can get back to the business of earning our way into heaven. It says we need to embrace grace and we need to learn how to hug back. How true is that? How true is that for us? For me, in my own life, I can look at so many moments where I'm just like, I feel like I have to do the checklist. There's a story in the Bible that, oh, that sticks out to me whenever I think about this idea of earning our place, earning our way, impressing Jesus. It's a story of two sisters. They're having Jesus over to dinner and they are fully aware, they fully believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So they know that they are hosting at their house the, the incarnation of God on earth as a man. So they're bringing God to their house. They know who he is. And these two sisters don't exactly see eye to eye in how they handled the visit. So we're going to jump into the story of Mary and Martha. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here? Well, I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. But if we're being real, who here would Martha the situation up? Who here, you're having Jesus to your house. Jesus coming for dinner. And you, like you are going to get the baseboards. You're going to be wiping down the walls. You're going to get the, the backsplash all cleaned up. You're going you're gonna to polish up your stainless steel appliances. I found a really good way of how to do that now. So when I, when I, when I have some special guests coming over, I get, I get the olive oil and the microfiber and I do all the things. It's, 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 it's stupid. Oh, it takes way too long, but it looks really good for when, you, when you get it done. But even if, my mom or Taylor's mom is coming over to watch the kids. Our mothers who changed our diapers, who saw our messy rooms as children, they're coming over, we're like, we gotta get the house in order, we gotta get these things picked up. And we have three kids who it seems like their sole mission on earth is to destroy the house. Like we put away all the Christmas things, we walk to the next room and then you hear, The whole basket's all over again. I'll like look in there and like Griffin's just dumped the Legos or all his Hot Wheel cars are everywhere across the floor. It's just like just a mess. We got them all this marble tracks and marbles and cats don't go well together. They go everywhere. Like we will just be finding marbles under things, in things, all over the place. These cats are like in the middle of the night. Like marbles rolling around the floor. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even go to sleep. The kids keep me awake and now it's the cats too. And we're getting there. And we're doing all this stuff. And we got to get it cleaned up. We got to get cleaned up. And and that's just for our moms. If someone else is coming over, someone that we're not as comfortable with, well, we got to get it even more clean. We might even scrub the baseboards. We might even like, you know, dust or whatever. We might even vacuum underneath the the, the furniture or whatever. It's, it gets it gets more and more. Like you just feel like you have to get these things done. Like nobody wants to have someone over to a dirty house. We got to have some food ready. You got to have something ready for them. You got to have... Clean towels out for hand towels and all these things and there are times when my wife gets sick and I don't know if anyone else is like this, but when it, when they get sick it is it is shut down central like she's done. Yeah. if she gets sick she's done and I know it's not just her, it's her whole family they're all like that Christopher Christopher's like that her brother uh, gets like that as well like it's shut down central and and like I feel bad for her I do. But when I'm trying to keep the house clean and I'm fighting kids and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the dishes and get a meal cooked and then she's asking me for like to go get a Sprite or something for her. It's hard for me sometimes like, man, I just I need some help. Like, please just help me. And I get Martha. Like sometimes I just have to like in my head be like, OK, she's sick. I know I got to take care of her. This is my job. Like this is part of what I do. And we work together on the house like we always work together. But when she's sick, it's just me. But even though she is, let's be real, she is just the better cleaner. Like she does the better job. She'll get it done faster and do it better. But I try. I try. But when she is sick, she's not there. So I get Martha. I understand why Martha gets frustrated with Mary. I understand it. And Jesus says, like, hey, this is, this is, this, this, you're worrying about the wrong things. You are not focused on the right things. He says, This, this person, you're saying your lazy bum sister here, that she is doing the right things. She has chosen the things that are right. And I will not take this away from her. I will not take my presence from her. I will not take my teaching from her. I will not take my words from her. She chose wisely in the words of the old man from Indiana Jones, the Templar, um, she chose wisely. Why? Because the things that Martha is concerned about, the things that she's focused on, these things pass. Your house will get dirty again. Your food will be consumed and it will also pass. Everything that Martha is worried about and focused on, these things pass. But what Mary's focused on is eternal. The things that Mary's focused on, the things that Mary is chasing after will not pass end. It doesn't go away. And Jesus isn't impressed by your stuff. He's not impressed by a clean house or your fancy cooking. He wants your heart and your devotion. He wants your attention and your time. So what is your focus? What is your focus? The temporary earthly things. As we go into a whole new year, what is your focus? What are you looking at? Are you worried about here and now? Are you worried about what you like, look like or what you do or how you stand up? Are you worried about trying to impress God with what you have? Or are you just being in his presence? Are you just worried about the things of heaven? Colossians 3, 2 is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of this earth. Mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. One thing that has been one of the hardest adjustments for me from moving from a more southern area, I call Bethalto, even though it's central Illinois, is like I call it the South. Uh, to moving up here to the Chicagoland area has been how busy people are. People are like they're busy, and they're still busy in the in the South. And I call it the South because my stipulation for being a southerner or not is if you are turning left at a light and you pull up to the light and it's green, but you don't have the arrow. If you stop at the line, you're a Southerner. If you pull into the intersection, you're a Northerner. That's that's my stipulation and it works. And I will never budge from that. That is how I decide if you are a Southerner or not. It's the left lane turning etiquette. Do you pull in the intersection or do you stop at the line? And I'm not saying that people there weren't busy. They were. They did a lot of stuff too. But it just seems like here, like people are always going, like I am just fighting for their time i'm just like trying like just just give me a moment like hey let me just fit in like give me like five minutes or whatever like i would try to like plan a dinner with somebody and it's like we gotta like plan it out weeks in advance and there it's like hey let's what are you doing tonight oh we're not doing anything let's just hang out okay cool so it's just like it, that, there's like this whole thing and i am not saying that being busy is bad it's not being busy is not bad there's there's There are uh, goodness, there's good things in being busy, but if your busyness, if your activities, if the things that you're pursuing are coming between you and your relationship with God, that is what I have the beef with. I tell people, it's okay to be busy because if you leverage the things that you're busy with for the kingdom of God, then you are doing things to build up the kingdom and not your own empire. If you're focused on that and you just have that kingdom mindset, you can use those things, but if you are just focusing on your own empire it's just that's it it's just done here and now but if you focus on the kingdom it lasts beyond yourself it's the only thing that will give meaning to the things that you actually do anyway and peter continues in this in this passage that we're reading in uh, peter 1 we're going to go into verses 5 through 8 he continues this it says in view of all this make every effort to respond to god's promises Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love for everyone. And says the more you grow like this, the more productive and the more useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says that we got to go on and make an effort now. Now, an effort to show what God has done and is doing in your lives. And not in the sense of earning salvation, not because of that, because of the free gift, the free gift of salvation. It compels us to do it. And if you grow like this, Peter says that you become productive and you become useful, and you're growing in the knowledge of Jesus. Productive and useful. Who doesn't want to be productive and useful? He goes on to say in verse nine, that if you don't grow like this, that you are short-sighted or even blind, forgetting that your sins have been covered. He says that you, if you if you are not doing this, then, you, then the opposite. It's like an if-then statement. If not this, then this. And so if you are not doing this, then you are blind. You are short-sighted. You are not even aware that your great your sins have been covered, and here you are busy trying to earn your way into heaven again, earning it, and you cannot do that. Think about it this way: If someone were to look at your life, someone who's searching for an answer, searching for hope, which is our name, and you, they see you. Are they seeing someone who is just like? following the rules and I got to get my checklist done and I got to do all these things so that I can be loved by God? Or are they some, seeing someone who is so free, set free because of what Jesus did? They're seeing someone who lives with joy and like just this this, this giving and just, just this personality of just love and just an overflow of what God is doing in your life. I used to work at a coffee shop and people always said like, I would open up every morning and I had to be there like 530 and people are like, why, how, how are you so joyous? I'm like, well, it's an overflow. It's an overflow of what God is doing in my life. And it's just this, it's, it's just because I'm not following the rules. It's because I'm not checking off the boxes. It's because I'm allowing what God is doing in and through my life to be who I am and not just something I do. So what? Would you want? Would you want the checklists, or would you want the freedom, the joy, the living life full in fullness, the the lacking nothing, the lacking nothing, being complete? The passage continues, and we wrap up this section. It seems Peter kind of flips what he initially says, but he's just really building up on each part. He says this at the end, in verses ten and eleven. Says, "So, dear brothers and sisters." work hard. Okay, Peter, first you're saying like, we just, we just, we live in this, but now he's saying work hard to prove that you are really among these that God has called and chosen. Work hard to prove that you're really among the, that God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And once again, we do not work to prove that we we, we 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 were not working to prove it because we're trying to prove it to god we're not doing that we're not trying to earn it but this comes from the realization that i am absolutely nothing without him i have nothing without him without god without what jesus has done for me i have nothing to offer this world it's all meaningless if I pursue anything else, it becomes meaningless. And it's, it's not working to earn your spot in, in heaven. It's that, that compulsion of a God who loves you so much that he gave his one and only son to die the worst possible death so we could bridge the gap that sin created so that we could have a relationship with our creator. I always like to say that I know I can never earn God's mercy or grace, but I'll be darned if I don't allow his work in my life to, make it, to look, make it look like I'm trying, to make it seem like I'm trying. I will make it look because of what he's done, I, will, I am going to work, not to earn his grace, but because of his grace. That there is a God who is so much greater and so much higher than I am, that he would love someone as messed up and broken and fallen as I am. Someone who ran from him. Someone who chased the things that he told me not to chase. Failed him time and time again. Someone who struggles with insecurity and self-doubt and self-worth. That God not only sent his son for me specifically, but that he would choose me to carry out his work that he already started on this earth. That he would want to use me to do that. That he would want to... Use me to speak his message to a world that is searching for the answer. How could I not make it seem? How could I not make it seem like I'm trying for him? Because this is what sanctification work looks like. You try a little bit harder. Each little day, you take another step and you just get a little bit better. And yes, we slip. Yes, we fall. Yes, we mess up. But we get up and we continue the pursuit. And each year I ask God, God, I need a word for the next year. I always ask, God, I want, I want a word. And each year I kind of get like this, almost this idea, this, 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 this word to like focus on. And this coming year um, for 2024, I feel like the word is holy. Like the word just holy, being set apart. Because I feel like for me in my life and maybe in the church in general, a lot of times uh, we are supposed to be set apart, but we end up taking on, the things of the world. And we like we just try to fit God into our worldly boxes. And we try to fit God in along with what we're doing in the world and what we're our schedules and our things. And we're just trying to fit him in and make it make it a part of us. Instead of being uh taking God to the world and then making the world fit to his ideas and his directions and what he has for them. And we are supposed to be set apart. We're not supposed to look like the world around us. We're not supposed to do these things. And if we were to take our moments, our interactions, our relationships, our words, our thoughts, the things that we listen to, the things that we watch, if we were to take those and set them apart, make them holy, what would it look like? Every conversation, if you were to think of it as a holy moment, a set apart moment, Every conversation, classmates, friends, family, coworkers, whatever it is, whoever they are, somebody, neighbors, every action that you do, everything that you say, every moment you spend on the road, and you want to honk at somebody or cut them off or run up on their bumper and just get angry at them, because I do that sometimes, a little road rage once in a while. I've gotten better, gotten better, but. If you were to think of each moment that you have as holy, what would that look like for you? Our DYD, Pastor Chris Stanley says, you cannot change the world if you are exactly like it. It's one of my favorite things I've ever heard. You can't change the world if you look like it. Like You're not going to. You have to look different. You have to give the world something to attain, something to look for. Like, man, why why is Alex so joyful? Why does he have something that I want? Like, what is special about him? Like, what is say? Why is he, in spite of our everything going wrong today, everything's going wrong? Why is he still have joy? Why does that the thing? So as we approach 2024, be merry, be merry. 2024, be merry. Stop trying to earn God's approval, and rest in the uh, knowledge that you are already in it. You are already in it. Stop. But you got to allow it though to transform you. You need to allow it to work in you and through you. You got to work at it. Allow allow God to shine through your life. How do you treat the people around you? How are you going to treat them? How are you going to talk to them? How are you going to act around them? And does it work overnight? No. But it's a process. It's a process. In ancient times, when they would make a mirror, you would take, take the silver and you would melt it down, scrape off all the junk, and then you would have it. But then it wasn't perfect. There'd still be stuff that would come to the surface. So you'd melt it down again, and you'd melt it down again. It keeps scraping a little bit off, a little bit off, a little bit off at a time. And eventually, over the course, in the process of melting down and scraping the things that we probably don't really like, the, the work, the hard work in our lives these moments of hardness and and temperature and all this stuff, eventually, the master, the maker can look into it and see their reflection. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? We need to reflect our maker to this world. The world could definitely benefit from advice that you have. It could probably very well benefit from uh, Think your experience; it could very well benefit from advice and thoughts and wisdom that you have. But more so, it would benefit from the Jesus that you would bring, the Jesus that you can be in the lives. So, what are you reflecting? Do you reflect the world or do you reflect your Maker? What are you reflecting? Is your reflection flawed and marred? Do you need a little bit of work? Do you need a little melting and a little scraping? Those we don't like it but it's necessary for the growth and the transformation. So we need to embrace it. I'm gonna close with this quote from Brother Lawrence. I'm gonna pray and get you guys out of here. It says, pray, remember what I have recommended to you, which is to think often on God by day, by night, in your business, and even in your diversions. He is always near you and with you. Leave him not alone. You would think it rude to leave a friend alone who came to visit you, Why then must God be neglected? Do not forget him, but think on him often. Adore him continually. Live and die with him. And it is the glorious employment of a Christian. In a word, this is our profession. And if we do not know it, we must learn it. We need to treat our relationship with God, like it is him visiting us. You don't leave someone that came, like if someone came to my, if Jerry came to my house, I'm not gonna be like, all right, well, have fun. And I'm gonna go to the next room and go play Minecraft or something. I'm not gonna just like leave them alone. I'm not gonna just like abandon my guests. I'm going I'm going to be with them. I'm gonna spend time with them. I'm going to appreciate the fact that they came and visited me. Same thing, God is with us. Just like we said through Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, like he is here. And we need to embrace him and just keep that going and allow his presence in our life to shine through our lives. Not trying to earn a way to heaven because it is freely given and it is never earned. I'm going to pray and we'll get you guys out of here. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your son, for your family. God, that you are in this place today. Lord, that your Holy Spirit is being poured out here and among your churches everywhere. Lord, that you would just have a move as we end out 2023. That you would grab a hold of the hearts and lives and minds of your people. So that as we face 2024, as we go into a new year, Lord, that we would approach it with holiness in mind. Lord, that we would be set apart for the things that you would have for us. That, you would, that you've called us into to be like Jesus to this world that so desperately needs him, that we would be the hope, the joy, the peace, the love that our friends and family need to experience in times of hopelessness, in times of uh, searching. God, that you would do a work in our lives, that we would have the opportunities to share the goodness of who you are and what you've done. God, that we would have opportunities to bring our friends and families and co-workers and classmates and loved ones into your presence, Lord that we would see revival. We would see our our our, our family members. we would see, uh, people who have maybe wandered or have never even accepted you as their Lord. We would see them come into a relationship with you. That 2024 would be a year that your kingdom grows. that 2024 would be a year that we see you move in a mighty and a powerful way in us, through us and into the world around us. Lord, that we wouldn't be just sitting by, idly by watching the game. but Lord, we would get into this we would get into the game. Lord, that we would be participants and not spectators. Lord, that we would step up and allow you to work in our lives, that we would surrender wholly to your cause, to your kingdom, instead of focusing on our own little empires. God, we just surrender to you today. At the end of this year, facing a whole new year, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you and your will because it's better than anything we can plan anyway. God, we just ask once again, move in a mighty way. We love you. and We praise you. We worship you. We exalt you because God, you alone are worthy of it all. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe to stay up to date with all of our new messages. Thanks for listening. God bless.